a Lifetime Original Podcast. Oh, wait. Megan just <laughs> held up Bond's cold cream. I don't use it. I've never used it, but it's like one of those things I'm like, I got to have it on hands. I don't know. It just seems like. It seems like a staple. Oh my God, I've, got a lot. I've got also my Sally Hansen for brow face bikini. Those are not three similar areas. Okay, you should not be using the same products on those. I love a Lifetime movie. I'm watching something dangerous. Ooh, I'm watching something bad. We are seeing cars that Ralph Nader said they can't be on these roads anymore. I am analyzing this motion picture as a historical document, you guys. It's a historical document. Where are we? Up is down. Down is up. Are you grizzled or are you a model for Pond's cold cream? We're at the scene of the crime only 31 years later. (laughs) Autopsy puts the time of death between 11 and midnight. You were in Jane Woodman's house during that time. But only for a few minutes. Time enough to kill somebody. But if we can prove that you're telling the truth about your friend helping you to cheat on your husband, so to speak, that will go a long ways towards clearing you. Hello, and welcome to another episode of I Love a Lifetime Movie. I am the ghost of Megan Gailey. Uh, She's no longer with us in the state that she used to be known, and so... What you're hearing and getting emotionally, mentally, metaphysically after this is a disclaimer, I guess. Joined by the ever-present, always with us, chewing Naomi Ekpar again. Okay, yeah. So I did have to run and get a coffee and pastry right quick, okay? I had to get my head right. Y'all, we are recording on Valentine's Day, and you would think Megan and I are two single women the way we run running around these streets. We have no time for anybody. We are angry. Megan is a shell of herself. So happy Valentine's Day. By the time you hear this, it'll be March. I don't care. It feels it feels right, honestly. <laughs> Usually Naomi will text or voice memo and say, Megan, I need to keep it tight this week. I don't need you to talk about your kindergarten teacher. I don't need I don't need you going on and on about a Pizza Hut buffet you liked in middle school. You know, whatever nonsense, talking about a duck I met once, you know, uh, whatever BS I come up with. (laughs) And this, and I go, I'll keep it tight. I'll keep it tight. And this week I texted her, Naomi, I'm I'm a shell of who I used to be. She said, I am on fumes. Okay. On fumes. (laughs) I'm on fumes. And I have a 1 p.m. massage appointment that I've been late for. I've tried to reschedule it 75 times. They won't let me because it's Valentine's Day and I forgot other people are getting massages today. I am wearing a dirty pacer shirt that says boom baby. <laughs> CJ has been gone for five days. Five days I've been with a child by myself. <laughs> by yourself with a child. I need see like look we need CJ making that paper obviously. Conrad's gotta eat. Conrad's gotta have fresh new kicks. But I also need him to stop going away. I feel like he goes away. I remember he had to work like right around when Conrad was going to be due. And I was like, CJ, you're stressing me out. And I'm not even in the relationship. Yeah, he went to Dallas. And then while he was in Dallas, he I was 38 weeks. He informed me that he needed to go to Atlanta. And so he was in Atlanta when I was 39 weeks with a woman who is considered the hottest woman in sports. Oh, God. And I was like sitting, you know, on like a bouncy ball being like, well, any moment. Um, Now, Megan, I was waiting for our next recording to tell you something, you know, because it would have been perfect for a voice note. But what is the podcast, if not a very long voice note? Right. So as we've discussed, as Megan certainly knows, because she hears about it all the time, my wedding's coming up in less than a month. And remember, Megan. Go into the chat. 
chapel, but it's not a chapel. It's an event space in Highland Park. <laughs> Do you remember when I told you I sent a picture? I sent a picture of my wedding dress to my mom, and she yeah. just replied, "Call me." Yes. And we can all agree, like, that's savage, that's insane. Just anytime you text somebody and they respond with call me, you're like, oh, it's going to be a doozy. Buckle up. Especially if you send a picture of yourself. Even if it's like, oh, got my hair cut, got a new pair of shoes. Your wedding dress, it, we talk about stakes in <laughs> screenwriting and television writing. The stakes couldn't be higher. That's a 100 on the stakes scale. Exactly. So I thought it was funny. So I tweeted it. It literally, I just, I just tweeted the the chain of it, which is sent a picture of my wedding dress. She said, "Call me," but, but I don't wanna, you know, like classic, <gasps> just whatever. Because of course, it's like, so this happened what over a week ago. Well, Megan, on Sunday night, I get a text and then a phone call. Somehow, this tweet, which was not even viral, <gasps> which was not even nothing, made it to a Yahoo roundup, and you know. Moms be liking Yahoo. Love Yahoo. A Yahoo roundup of like funniest lady tweets. Megan. Megan. It's nowhere safe. It's nowhere nowhere safe. It's nowhere safe. You know, and again, this wasn't some sort of big viral tweet. You know, when something goes like viral, it's out of your hands, honey. It's in the internet hands now. You're like, nothing's nothing scarier. Honestly, you think of a hooded figure, a viral tweet is a hooded figure. It is so scary. Thank you. We we almost got doxxed. Andy made Andy did a did (gasps) some silly tweet that Doja Cat fans came at him for. He got called at one o'clock in the morning and was getting spammed with Doja Cat to his cellular phone. So look. (laughs) It's the hooded figure. You're correct. You're absolutely correct. So I just had to share that with you because I did want to see your reaction. And then her, and then she's like, you be making me look bad. And it's like, no. well, actually, I just said exactly what happened in secret. Verbatim. I didn't even say what, what you said. I didn't even say what you said on the phone. Yeah. Now, that would have made you look bad. You're like, I didn't editorialize a thing. A thing. And then she's like, and all the people oh. on the internet were like, because there were replies where people were like, don't do it. It's a trap. And if anything, I was like, well, now do you see what it, what, Call me in response to a picture of a wedding dress elicits. Yes, yeah. I'm like, did did she read the responses? Because you didn't put you didn't put her on. Am I the asshole? You just said here is an exchange. Here is an exchange. Wow. Now, and this is a this is something that can happen now too. Is these TikTokers they're taking these tweets mm. and then putting them on their TikToks? I one of my tweets was on a man's TikTok. I said I can't be on I can't be on a man's TikTok. No, no, no. They shouldn't even be talking to you after three, let alone taking your words. No. Uh. And so my dad did the same thing. He goes, So I've been I ask people if they ball, and I go, You do. <laughs> and you do. Oh. And he and he laughed at least. Well, but yeah, yeah, these parents. I love that your mom's on Yahoo. You know, my parents, sbcglobal.net. <laughs> And we're like, we really got to get you off the SBC Global train. <laughs> oh, but we got to. We got to. But it's like so parental. And it's like, anyway, I'm just like, I don't need any more drama. You know, people over here bringing kids when I done said no kids. It's, I, you know what? It's to the point where I'm just driven to murder, which makes me perfectly segue into our motion picture. Okay? Because it's Lifetime. So, you know, it's love, it's murder. It's so funny that we did a movie called Sex, Lies, and Murder. And I'm like, that could be the title of every single movie at all times. Yes. Because <laughs> this movie is called The Woman Who Sinned. Yeah. Which is like, 
I had some judgment to it, I would say. Oh, my God. I thought the movie was written by Christians at first. Yes. It is from the blessed year of 1992. Okay, yes. So this is going to be for all the Yahoo roundups out there. <laughs> if you have a .gov uh, email, you're going to love this film. A woman contemplates, interesting, having an affair which leads her into a web of deceit, suspense, and murder. Starring Susan Lucci. And Tim Matheson. I mean, if that's uh, not 1992, these are the peak stars you could be getting in 1992. Now, our modern day log lines are like three or four sentences. This is like, listen, she thinks she's going to have an affair and everything gets totally effed all the way up. Exactly. Said, period. Period. Lucci. You're done. That's all you need in 92. <laughs> One sentence in Lucci. So you know what? Without further ado, we about to get into it. 
I'm fun. I can hang out with the boys, the newsroom, that kind of energy. Yes. And the way in which Gwen Shamlin's hair was high, Lucci's hair is wide. <laughs> so it's really like the circumference is impressive. Mm-hmm. So she she's in a dark house. She goes into a bedroom and there is a woman. At first, I assumed maybe it was her sleeping daughter. But it's a woman who looks just like Susan Lucci sleeping in the bed. And at this point, I'm so confused. It's so funny because I thought, I was like, did she steal her roommate's dress and just like (laughs) try to play it off? Because then I assume Lucci is like, you know, she has her fun roommate friend and she's like, let me sneak in. And then I thought, okay, oh my God, she stole her friend's dress. And for some reason, I thought that was a problem. But we're both wrong. I thought it was a daughter, not a daughter. So uh, we'll we'll put a pin in that. Oh, we're going to get back to it. Don't you worry. So she puts the red dress down. She's in her business casual. And then she leaves this house through the sliding back door. And we are at minute three and a half of this film. Not a word has been spoken. And, and, and I am like on the edge of my seat, suspense, 90s music coursing through my veins. This is Lifetime in its heyday, okay? This film really does. This to me is when the genre is solidified. This is when the mm-hmm. brand says, this is who we are. That's what I think. Because I was like, I remember, again, if it was 92, I would have been too young to be watching. But I probably started would watching. Would you have been? But I would have started watching in 95. Do you know what I mean? Like, I probably okay. would have started watching around age 10. And I was yeah. like, ooh, this is so, I'm watching something dangerous. Ooh, I'm watching yes. something bad. <laughs> okay, so business cash Lucci leaves that house, goes next door, like enters through a back gate of a different house, and then a man named Michael jumps out of a pool. It's 11 o'clock at night. Pitch black. I said, look, even when you're doing a night swim, which is already crazy, you know how we feel about pools. You got to have some lights on. Isn't that the whole purpose of, like, if you're about a pool, it's got lights around it. You got to make sure no one, like, yeah. falls and bonks their head. And I'm like, who is this man, Michael? We'll come to find out it's Lucci's husband, played by the iconic Tim Matheson, who, yes, is the vice president in the West Wing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, does it get any more prestige? We've got a winger in this film. Wild. This is what I'm saying. They said we need to bring our best to this. But here's the thing. At first, it feels like it was funny because I was almost like, it took me a second to even like, what are they to each other? Obviously, that's her husband, right? I didn't know that at first. I go, who's Michael? There's a tension. There's a coldness. She's shocked to see him. You're not usually shocked to see your husband at your own house. I know. She was like, oh my God, you scared me. And it's like, okay, he did come out of the, he did come out of the pool in the middle of the night, very shape of water. So I was like, okay, maybe you think he's a creature. But then she's like going inside. She's clearly stressed out. And he is asking her about Jane. And we don't know who Jane is, but she's like, oh, he got, she got into a fight with this guy who's a married man or whatever. And so then we cut back to the sleeping brunette who Megan thought was a child. I thought was a roommate. I'm saying, is this Jane? Yeah, we're like, this must be Jane then. Exactly. (laughs) We see the guy who had been following her now inside that house. And he bashes her in the head with a sculpture. And then he throws the sculpture out the window. What? It was like, what is happening? Where are we? Up is down, down is up. <laughs> whose house is whose house? Meanwhile, Lucci taking a shower and her husband is just like chatting with her. She ain't really paying attention. He kind of wants to start, you know, having some sex. Okay. And she's like, I'm too yeah. tired. I'm sorry. And I, yeah. and then Megan wrote the 90s exclamation point. Yes, because he's like, he wants to get it in. And she's like, I'm, I can't. And I'm like, girl, you don't even need to just 
go to sleep. <laughs> but as I was watching this film, I was like, yeah, I think we all do need to be on high alert for nighttime post-activity showers. Because it's like, mm. Lucci, Victoria, was supposed to be out to dinner with this Jane character. Why does she need to come in and take a shower? Wow, very smart that you clocked that. I didn't even put it together. But you're very right. Yeah. You're very right. Now, the one piece of information we get, because it's like finally when people are talking, you know, we're seven minutes in. Her husband, Michael, obviously the frostiness, the tension, he's an attorney who used to work in the DA's office. This is important, okay? Mm -hmm. You know, Lifetime doesn't tell you too much, so anything they tell you, you gotta keep on it, all right? You gotta, yeah. And we take notes, like literally and figuratively. <laughs> okay, so cut to the next morning. There are police everywhere outside of the now dead lady's house. And now I see we're almost in a beach community. It's giving Malibu. It's giving Malibu. Yes, we got Skyline. We got beach. Uh-oh, we're in LA. <laughs> and you know who else is in LA? Naomi and me. Okay. <laughs> we're at the scene of the crime only 31 years later. Okay. So they're at the dead lady's house. And what is her name? It's Jane. We were right. We're inside the murdered woman's house. The cops are chatting. Now, these are not your typical lifetime cops. These mm. are, no, they are, but they are, but the actors playing them oh, are, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. seem like they have been on the stage. Oh, these are established actors. Absolutely. Yes. We are talking some Yale graduates of theater. We are talking NYU Tisch School graduates, uh, uh, Tony Award winners. Like, there is a level of prestige amongst these detectives that I was like, oh my gosh, these voices. I was expecting Eddie Murphy to come in with some hijinks. Well, let me tell you, okay, first of all, the the lieutenant is played by John Vernon, okay? And this man's career, he, he was born in 1932, lived to 2005, okay? And he worked every single day of his life. Wow. Okay? He did it all. He was in Hitchcock. He was in Dirty Harry. <gasps> he was in Dirty Harry. He was in Outlaw wow. Josie Wales. Like, this man comes from it. And this is what's wild. Like, again, Lifetime, when it really was popping off in the 90s, they were like, we need the best of the best. They're really mm -hmm. trying to establish their brand. Okay, I am analyzing this motion picture as a historical document, you guys. It's a historical document. I think you should. And especially because it's like, we've basically opened a time capsule of where we're living now. Exactly. You know, it's like, as if you were to buy a house in Malibu, I think that's what you're going to look at later. <laughs> and 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 dug something up and go, oh my God, there's a Susan Lucci time capsule here. And you open it up and you know what's in it? Big, heavy turquoise jewelry. <laughs> because... Victoria Lucci sees all the cops, comes outside. She is in what could only be called a cultural appropriation level of turquoise. <laughs> it, it looks like she ransacked Santa Fe as a city, that there was not a bangle to be left. It, it made me uncomfortable when she came out in all that turquoise. It was so much. But then it's just like, again, it's Lucci in her heyday, right? So she's giving us that soap opera acting. And it felt mm -hmm. like they put Vaseline on the lens. So everything is just like hazy and she's like constantly turning. And the cops, of course, ask her. And Michael, her husband's like, did you hear anything? Where were y'all? And she's like, yes, I was hanging out with Jane last night. We went to dinner and I got home at like 11, you know? And you can tell when she's talking to the cops that she's hiding something. She's being cagey. So it's like, okay, let's figure out what that is. Meanwhile, though, a Corvette pulls up and this guy gets out and he's like, I'm, I'm Jane's doctor and her close friend. And he's Dr. Mm. Longwell. 
And then when they wheel the body out, the lieutenant's like, does Jane have any enemies? And literally Victoria, as Megan puts it, gives her Emmy-winning stare. She mm-hmm. stares at the doctor in the Corvette, and she's like, yes, she had enemies. I wow. said, we love it. Cut to this Dr. Longwell, shady as hell, now downtown, mm-hmm. being questioned, and he is quick to give us all the tea. Listen to this. Look, I admit I was having an affair with Jane. I admit we had a quarrel yesterday afternoon. I found out she was seeing someone else. She didn't even try to deny it. I got pretty nasty. But I most certainly didn't kill her. She was alive and then some when I left her house. And what time was that? About five o'clock. I went to the hospital. You can check that. Saw a patient till about eight. I drove home to Malibu. Had dinner. With my wife. We watched TV. Went to bed about 11. My wife will verify that. Dr. Longwell, did your wife know about your affair with Miss Woodwin? Yes. You told her? No. She hired a private investigator. That's how this whole thing blew up. Smart wife. Smart wife. You know why? You know why she probably hired a PI? Because he was coming home and taking showers at night. And even for a doctor, you go, no, but you you know, like, take off the scrubs. But what what kind of doctor is he? A psychiatrist, he doesn't need to be showering after seeing patients unless, okay? <laughs> you know he a dermatologist. This is L.A. This is rich L.A. He's a derm, honey. I'm like, they're living in Malibu. Is he a plastic surgeon? Was he giving everyone those 90s boobs that were basically like pineapples cut in half? Like, who knows? <laughs> uh, but then the lieutenant goes to talk to Victoria, who's in another holding room, and she immediately admits. She's like, okay, so I was not actually at Jenner with Jane, which I love. I love when someone folds very quickly. She was like, yes. We're not going to sit in this song and dance. She admits she was with another man, and she tells them the man was a photographer named Evan Gans. Okay? And the detective's like, okay, whatever. But I just love he's done two interviews. He's no closer to finding out who killed this woman, but he knows now two people have been sneaking out on their spouse. Like, he's like, you guys, this is not Maury, okay? (laughs) I have a dead woman named Jane, not Jane Doe. That's her actual name. Right. We got to find who killed her. And you're talking to me about some photographer, these Malibu folks. Okay. So then a detective goes to where Victoria said she was with this photographer. And it's a totally different guy than we saw at the beginning. It's like this British, <laughs> like so funny. He looks like Kenny Loggins. He's like giving yes. you that classic, like that kind of shaggy. You know how back in the 80s, 90s men would have hair that almost looked like a lion's mane? And then um, he's got a big beard and he's giving black and turtleneck. Like black turtleneck. Yes, he is. so. And he's like, I've been in Paris or London. He's been somewhere. And I'm sure he's been being weird there, too. <laughs> and he's like, I, have, I haven't even been here. I don't know an Evan Gans. I've been out of the country for a month. And then he's like, honey, or he calls this woman his like friend. And she she looks familiar, too. Mm-hmm. Like every... Everyone who comes across the screen, I'm like, oh, I want their IMD pop-up video style. (laughs) So his, like, gal pal comes in, and she's like, no, I didn't give access to the studio to anyone. And so at this point, I'm like, Lucci, you got played. Yeah, yeah, Lucci got played. And it's like, oh, baby girl, this is not good. Because then the cops find the statue that was used to kill Jane. And we 
then meet an art dealer who says his partner, Victoria, took it. Now, I'll tell you at this time, I did not realize it was the same Victoria. Like, I didn't put together that he worked with Lucci because I love the art dealer. We only see him a couple times. He's giving Palm Springs. He's an older man in a print, like a print button down, which, you know, very big in the 90s. And he's got the wire rim glasses. And I said, you own Palm Springs property. I love you. He definitely knows my Palm Springs florist, uh, (laughs) who was a very muscular older gay man named Ron with two N's. They know each other. Two N's. Yeah. Oh, God. You know, that was his personal choice because that generation was not naturally giving two N's. No. And like, I, I think I've talked about Ron on this before where I was like, I don't need a lot of flowers. And then I like met Ron. And in 30 seconds, he was like, I can tell you have good taste. And I go, give him anything he wants. Blank check for Ron. (laughs) (laughs) To have an older gay man be like, you have good taste. He's fully lying. I have terrible taste. But I was like, this is all I needed. It was truly a coating on my soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, please. He knows his job. He knows how to get his money. He says. CJ's sitting there like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. My wife's an easy target. So then we see Jane's funeral very briefly, but the cops waste no time. Because they literally are like, we need to talk to you. Like, at the funeral, they pull her away. And I think it's because she's Lucci. They do her the decency of, like, bringing her into the station, into an office, and being like, we are arresting you for murder. As opposed to putting her in handcuffs at the funeral. I thought that was very nice yeah. of them. And that's, you know, I think Lucci privilege. 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 <laughs> exactly. Sure. Okay, so then we're at her bail hearing. And the prosecutor, who, like, obviously probably knows the husband because he used to work in the DA. Exactly. Wants, wants like, no bail. Like, They need her sitting in county. And it's like, this woman is from Malibu. She's getting out. Thank you. But they said it at 200K. And I said, this would never happen to a wealthy white woman. Well, but you know, for bail, you only have to pay like 5%. You only have to pay a portion to get out? Yes. You don't have to pay all of it. You have to pay a portion. Really? Okay, listeners who have been held, let us know if that is correct. I know some of you out there. I know some of you out there. I'm almost positive. I'm almost positive. I think it's only 5%. That feels a little too low. It's all about taking your money. So that you then have no money for your legal defense and have no money to actually be free. You know what I mean? Yes, but 5% of 200,000, I don't know what that is. I can't, I, I, I told you I'm on fumes. I'm not going to be able to do mental math right here. But if you've got no money, then you don't have the 5% of 200,000. Right, 200, right, right. I mean? It's 10,000. It is what it is. But she, and you know, Lucci and her <laughs> husband have that, like, you know, in a couch cushion. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got they're steal like... Dr. Longfellow's Corvette. That trash. <laughs> I mean, if. Honestly, if my doctor is driving a Corvette, I go, I'm going to need a second opinion <laughs> because that is, that is not, the, that's a huge car in Indianapolis. Big car. Oh. Because of the Indy 500. Oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's so weird. Okay. But listen to this though. Here's what I think is interesting. So it's one of Michael's former colleagues, Larry, I think, or a current colleague. The point is he worked with Michael. His name is Larry and he's going to be Victoria's attorney. So that Mm -hmm. was like decided off camera that basically he was like, I'm your husband. I probably should represent you. No, he can't. But he's like, I got a guy. And who knows if he's even still doing like trial. He they're living large. He may be off to corporate. He may go, you know what? Let the streets clean them up themselves. Oh, yeah, definitely. I feel like he's now working for the mob because he talks about where he's like, this guy's going to go away. And then you hear him later. He's like, this job's a payday. And I'm like, okay, you're out here now representing like shady rich people. And good for you. Everybody is entitled to a good defense. (laughs) And so we hear the cops, they have the murder weapon, which came from Victoria's art gallery. It has her prints on it. 
and they have photos. And I said, what are all those? Exactly. So Larry, her attorney is like, listen, you need to go talk to this PI named Randy Emerson. To locate the Evan Gans, because he's the key. Because if she says she was with him and he can corroborate that, then that means she didn't kill Jane. And that name is not real. (laughs) He gave her a fake name. And so they're like typing like, oh yeah, Evan Gans. And they're like, no lady, that's not a person. And she's like, I promise. And they're like, we went to the studio and it was a British man with a dog's haircut. So I don't know. I don't know who you were having sex with, but it wasn't him. Okay, so she goes to meet Randy Emerson, and this guy uh, is a woman. And she is so amazing. My favorite character so far. And we have watched what? 5,000 lifetime movies? We've yes. we've definitely had like 525,600 minutes of lifetime. Definitely. Uh, and we we just got to give you a, a snippet of Randy because we can't even do her justice. Lucky for you, Larry's your attorney. I was packing for a week of sun and sex in the Bahamas when he called. So let's get this over as quick as possible, okay? Let me start by saying I'm a retired police officer on account of a drinking problem. I was a good cop and I'm a good PI. I quit the booze 191 days ago and, as they say, I'm a recovering alcoholic. Now it's your turn. Did you kill your friend? No. Okay. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions, and you're going to tell me everything. If I find out you lied to me about anything, anything at all, I am on my way to the Bahamas. Understand? Yes. On the face of it, you look guilty as hell. I'm not. Uh, yes! Randy said... I'm trying to get laid in the Bahamas. I'm 191 days sober. And you have to know she has a cigarette dangling out of her mouth this whole time. But she is also in a sweater vest with a button-down blouse. So it's just giving you so much. It's giving us so much. She has the energy of an old you know like a, i've been around the block grizzled, I've seen everything grizzled. but then the but then the face of a 30 year old like right. it's so Gorgeous. and i can't believe LAPD let her go she, she's she's meant to be a pi you know she's doing better work now but she's just absolutely incredible so Victoria can't lie to her. She's played by Christine Belford. I have to tell you, she okay. is played by Christine Belford, who is iconic, who was in the movie Christine. Do you remember the um, Stephen King? She's been in yes. all the soap operas you could ever want wow. between like 1975 and 1995. So this was like a reunion for her and Lucci. Exactly. You know, they were coming to set. Oh, Christine, Sue, so happy to do this. Okay, so Randy's like, you need to tell me what's up. And if you don't tell me everything, I'm firing. Yeah. You know, like I'm dropping you. So we are seeing all of these explanations in flashbacks. As she's recording it, too, because she's recording it. Randy said, I need the receipts. So she gets the tape recorder. On a (laughs) boombox. So we learn that Victoria and her husband, Michael, have been fighting over whether to have a child. Victoria does want a child, but she doesn't want to have one right now because she just opened her art gallery and she's worried about her career. And I saw this and I said, yeah, I feel the same way. CJ said, we got to have a baby. And I said, what about the Lifetime podcast? And he said, it seems like you could really do that pregnant. I go, well, I don't know. (laughs) And then she tells us she first sees this blonde dude out at a restaurant. She's with Michael and one of his friends. So she's not like cruising. She's out and she just like sees a guy over at the bar and like clocks him and she's like taken with him. 
Then he comes into her gallery a little while later. We don't really know. I want to say, like, probably a couple weeks, right? Between when she first kind of just sees him. And then, then and he's showing, he's like, I'm a photographer. I want to show you some prints. Now, look, certainly I enjoy engaging in the double standard of ripping apart men's physical appearances the way they rip apart women's and have for the beginning of time. But I think part of why I comment on men's appearances in these movies is because so often these men are meant to be so captivating that a woman will put her life in jeopardy. So Mm -hmm. I look at it through that lens. And when I tell you this blonde man is puffy, he walks in wearing a salmon button down and a bolo tie. And even by early 90s standards, he's not worth blowing up a marriage over. I said, I'm sorry, what? You couldn't take your eyes off of him? You couldn't stop thinking about him? Or Tim Matheson, a future vice president of this country. So he is tall. <laughs> and, and, I, and that's that really does it. You know, like, that's really enough. Especially if you're... Now, the problems she's describing in her marriage with Michael don't seem like that big of an issue. Like, it's just like, yeah, um, Michael seems like a good husband. I don't know. That's just like... <laughs> He's he's taking dips at 11. He's an attorney. They're both very busy. This is what's happening, right? Because what you get the sense is that there's ships passing. But mm-hmm. that's a phase that you go through, and it comes and it goes. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, you want some attention. You got to be like, hey, give me some attention. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you just got to, I mean, this is me. I'm pretty bossy and direct. And I just go, we need to hang out because I'm not feeling you right now. <laughs> So he's there to show her some prints, which I do think is code for his penis, because (laughs) he's like trying to get her to come out to lunch. She's like, no. And then the shady Dr. Longwell comes in and he sees the sculpture and the sculpture, you guys, it's weird. It's (laughs) expensive and weird. And he's like, I got to give that to Jane. And Lucci's like, "Okay," And he's like, will you do it for me? You've been my co-conspirator for the last year. So Lucci's not above helping affairs you know right. like she's right. she's like listen i'll help someone have an affair and maybe that someone should be me because then we see evan now his name is evan based on what he's telling us uh we see evan and victoria they're on the boardwalk which is like so you like live at the beach why are you gallivanting on the beach together and Thank he's you. taking pictures taking pictures of her it's very flirty And then he's like, let me take you to the hottest spot in town. And it is them sitting on the ground eating hot dogs. And I love hot dogs. I'm going to have a hot dog for Valentine's dinner tonight because I'm going to see Titanic in 3D. (laughs) And I wouldn't eat. I go, if I'm going to have an affair with you, I I would actually like some real food. Takeout. I'm not going to a restaurant. Takeout. Well, this is what I'm saying. I said they are really out here in public for people who, or rather for Lucci, who is a married woman and a business owner, and a, a public figure. Because very quickly, Evan is, like, all in on her. Listen to this. These two are running on the beach in broad daylight. And listen to this. What's the matter? <laughs> Don't quit now. We said all the way to the jetty. Come on. I'm in love with you! No, you're not. I am. I can't help the way I feel. I didn't want to fall in love with you, but I have. Evan, don't. Please. Victoria, we can't go on pretending that we're just becoming friends. I knew I never should have done this. Done what? You haven't done anything. 
can't see you again. Do you understand? And then after she says that, they make out in public in broad daylight. I said, Luch. On the beaches of Santa Monica. I'm like, girl, everybody know what you did. Okay, we all know what you did last summer. It is out here. For something you said you were trying to keep secret and you were so torn about, you were very public. Well, and also Victoria was like, told him, I can't see you again. And then tells the PI, I saw him every day that week. <laughs> it's like, what the heck are you doing? And then we find out they haven't even had sex. Like, she's just in it for his personality. You're having a personality affair? Insane. Insane. <laughs> and personality. I, I would actually go, I'll have sex with you. Do not talk to me. <laughs> like, I've got enough personality happening at home. Right. Right. I don't need someone else's ideas, pick up basketball theories. <laughs> I don't need to be hearing about the NBA trade deadline from someone that I didn't marry. Well, I would hope that if you're at least going to, like, have a side piece, they're different. You you can't find another sport guy to talk to, Megan. We got to get you, like, a complicated poet. You know I have a type. <laughs> you do. You know I have, you have a, type. a type. You do. It's worth <laughs> So then the P.I., Randy, who I'm obsessed with, again, cigarette dangling, but also this perfect creamy skin where you're just like, are you grizzled or are you a model for Pond's cold cream? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, I can't tell. (laughs) Megan just held up Pond's cold cream. I don't use it. I've never used it, but it's like one of those things I'm like, I got to have it on hand. I don't know. It just seems like. It seems like a staple. Oh my God, I've got also my Sally Hansen for brow face bikini. Those are not three similar areas, okay? You should not be using the same products on those. This is my little bucket there. Okay, sorry. The Well, beautiful PI is like, well, did you tell anybody about this? There's no way you kept all this to yourself. And it's like, well, all of Santa Monica Beach. But also, we cut to her talking to Jane, who is... I wish now there was a movie about Jane and that she hadn't been murdered because mm-hmm. Jane is sitting at the first computer ever made, gorgeous, but it's in her house, so you know she's money. And she's like, have sex with him. <laughs> and she's like, it can't hurt yes. it can't hurt Michael if he never finds out. Yeah. And then she also a great friend. And then she also calls herself an expert. And as you said, you said, on what? Cheating? <laughs> like, I think she because at the very beginning when they find her body, the lieutenant is like, my wife reads her books. I think maybe she's a romance novelist. Mm. And so I think that's how she has money in the computer and is an expert on having sex and cheating. <laughs> but Jane is like truly all of the Sex in the City characters combined into one. Like she is so cool and just like, and they're not young. They're like 40. Mid-30s. Yeah, mid-30s, late-30s, and she's like, cheat. And I say that as someone who's almost 40, okay? When we say, not young, 40. You grown. It's not like you're like, ooh, have you seen a penis before? A boy? No. (laughs) Jane is like, I have a bang, and I have silk nighties, and you can borrow my clothes to have sex in. Like, yes. (laughs) I was even surprised that uh, Lucci and Michael were having these talks about babies, because I was like, oh, I assumed you were 44. I was like, like, I assumed you were a hip-working woman, and you made those choices. And they weren't referencing any biological clocks. Like, they were acting like they had... A runway in front of them. And I'm like, you guys, this is 92. There were no eggs frozen. <laughs> so Jane is like, look, when Jane says she's an expert, she's an expert. As Megan already said, she was like, we're going to find you an outfit. She goes, do it on Sunday. Like, Michael's having a work dinner, so you could do it then. They have a whole plan. Okay, up until this point, I'm like, okay, fine, do this. Mm-hmm. Even though we, like, know this man is crazy. 
when I hear that they are setting this plan up for a Sunday, <laughs> I, I said, no, I'm out. And here's the thing. I'm not even talking about the Lord's Day. I'm not talking about football. I am talking about the amount of things I have eaten. Like Sunday yeah. is the day I feel the least sexy. Mm-hmm. It's the day I go to bed the earliest, the bloatest. <laughs> I'm, I'm my worst self on a Sunday. And you're telling me I'm going to have an affair? <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, what? And I know these are not the problems Lucci has, but I'm like a Sunday to the point where like Michael is looking for cufflinks because they're going to church. She's doing this on church day. We do clock a visual that there's a gun in the house and it's just loose and it's loose in a drawer, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is, classic. I want to say 90s, but I think unfortunately also to 2023. Also classic lifetime. People love to have a gun in a drawer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like loose. that's people just have loose. it loose. Not locked. Just any old toddler could grab it. So then we see Michael and Victoria in church because it's Sunday. And the priest is giving a sermon that honestly felt like, I know some of you want to (laughs) cheat. And I'm telling you, don't cheat, bitches. Do not cheat. Which, given what we know about the community between Jane, Dr. Longwell, and what's going on, I'm like, maybe he's right. Maybe everybody coming to him in the confessional like, I cheated on my spouse. I wonder mm-hmm. sometime if, if a priest like gets enough stuff in a confessional that he's like, mm-hmm. said, look, several of you have come to me and I would <laughs> like to make a formal announcement. Stop cheating. He's like, I know a lot of you are trying to cheat via this new app, Be Real. <laughs> But I'm going to need you to <laughs> delete it off your phone. Like, are they knowing about TikTok trends? Like, I'm sure they have to stay up with the times to be like, what new ways are they sinning this week? Exactly. And that night, we don't really know what kind of happens in between. Like, basically, Lucci Victoria gets home. She sees Michael and there's like an awkward moment where she sees him and then doesn't want to talk to him. But then he notices her. So she has to talk to him. And then she's like let's go out of town. Like, AKA, like, let's find a reason for me to not cheat on you. And he's like, I got to work. Sorry, this client is a payday. And he like leaves to get ready for his work dinner. And <laughs> to me, I'm like, well, I guess that was her trying not she to tried. cheat. She was like, <laughs> she's like, I asked you to take me away. You didn't. So I'm going to go. She's like, listen, we could have gone to Santa Barbara, but now I have to go have sex with a fake photographer. And then we see Victoria at Jane's house. And Jane is complaining about Longwell, who you know, he found out she was seeing someone else and Jane says that he said, if I can't have you, no one can. And Jane is like, I'm not his wife. You're married. (laughs) She was like, you can't tell me what to do. You already married. And I said, Jane, you ain't wrong. And then we see the weird statue and it's on Jane's bedside table. (sighs) But then it's fine. They go, they, they look for a cheating outfit for Victoria to wear. It's a red dress that Jane says is, quote, illegal in 34 states. (laughs) And so... That must mean it's made out of THC. <laughs> I, ugh, Jane, I love Jane. Between Jane and Randy, it's yeah. like we've really got aspirational gals to look up to. <laughs> I know, I know. And she's like, listen, come back through the garage door, take the dress off and return it mm-hmm. to me. Like, they are at this point kind of adding steps that are overly complicating things. Well, yes. Like, it's like, okay. It, like, uh, it's it feels a little like, Kids putting together a plan, like okay, but they really both of us on top of each other. We'll go into a bank, but but they really do plan it out though. It really felt to me like like James, like I know how to do this because I thought it was even smart to have wearing someone else's clothes because I didn't even think I was like I was like oh because then okay if it smells like another person then it's like well that's now exactly it's like that's in Jane's house yeah Jane doesn't care she's like all my dresses smell like sex. (laughs) I'm an expert at dry cleaning. 
So at this point, I have a theory that Michael, Victoria's husband, prosecuted, quote unquote, Evan for a crime in the past. And Evan has now found out who Michael's wife is and is going to seduce her. And then, I don't know, kill her to get back at him. Interesting. My thought was, we've been hearing about how Jane has been seeing other men. And Mm -hmm. I thought, was it a man who Jane was seeing, right? Who was mad that she wouldn't be with him. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm going to go after her best friend. Because we've seen this in Lifetime movies. Again, this is more in the, you know, in the aughts. But where someone will like, you know, seduce the daughter, seduce the friend to like get close to the other person. So that was my concern. But anyway, we don't know yet because here we are. Because the next thing we see, Victoria in the illegal red dress. And Mm -hmm. she is... At Evan's studio, which we now know. Thank you. A British man's studio. Evan is still in that damn bolo tie and I'm livid. And they drink champagne and they're kissing and they have sex or start to have sex. I couldn't tell where they were in the process. But during it, Victoria's overcome with guilt and she's like, stop, stop. I got to get out of here. She's like, I can't. It's so, it's such good soap opera acting. I, I can't. I can't. Oh, I loved it. And so then she like, you know, pushes him off and she gets up and she's like, I'm leaving. And then he he like grabs her by the arm. Okay. And then she slaps him and he won't let her. And like she goes and gets dressed. And then she's trying to leave the actual studio as a whole. And he like won't let her go. And she's trying to leave. And he has the craziest, scariest eyes I've ever seen on any Lifetime Psycho. There's a still of him when he, I mean, not like a, you know, just a moment where he's staring at her and those eyes are wide. And I said, oh my God, I was so scared. Yeah. I said, oh my God, he's about, because he's like, he's like, I'm not done with you. Like, you know, it was was just the most menacing, terrifying thing. Y'all, I was freaking out. But luckily, Victoria manages to break free and run out of there. And when I tell you I was shook, I was terrified. I was like, oh, my God, please don't let this happen to Victoria. I had to take a break, which means you, the listener, must also have to take a break because you're hearing it. Okay, but just imagine these crazy eyes and understand. With spiky blonde hair. And a bola. Well, really, he's in a robe at that point, which is even worse. Uh, Even worse. And y'all, we got to take a quick break. 
That wouldn't be the best way for your husband to find out what really happened. Well, I've been afraid. Yeah. Well, of course, I'm not married anymore, so you can't go by me. But it sounds like he loves you. You'll hurt him. He'll be angrier than you've ever seen. But maybe later, who knows? I'm surprised he hasn't found out by now. Because it's like, she's been arrested and is on trial for murder. It's like, I would come clean at that point. <laughs> I'd go, all right, let me lay all the cards out. So that night, she does this, that. Because Michael comes home and Victoria's crying by a fire. Could you? I could not take it. It was. I thought that was the most dramatic, most yes. luchy, most soap opera thing I could ever see. The fire was so big in their house, and I know it's not that cold. By a beach. <laughs> by the beach. I go, wow, no no drought then in 92. And so she tells him what happened, and he is so pissed. And he, stor- I mean, storms out of there. Yeah, yeah, packs a suitcase and is like, I'm out. And she's like, where can we talk? He's like, I want to talk to you. And so then Randy... Her decision is to go to the bar where Victoria first saw Evan. You know, that first time they like locked eyes for half a second. By the boardwalk. And before she goes, she gets the she's all that movie makeover. (laughs) She puts on heels and earrings and she takes down her hair. Oh, (laughs) you know she means And I said, I'm Randy for Randy. Okay. (laughs) And she's like, how do I look? And Victoria's like, you look amazing. (laughs) So I think she's like going there to seduce him. But she's there. And then Evan comes in and a guy is like, hey, this lady's been looking for you. She's been flashing your picture everywhere. And I'm like, well, that's not very incognito. Exactly. I was like, Randy, shouldn't you be subtle about this? Because you certainly now. Yeah. Shouldn't you act a damsel in distress? Act like, oh, my husband's a piece of crap and I'm eight sheets to the wind. Yeah, it was so weird. So so of course so then Evan literally sees sees the woman who's been lo- flashing his picture and he walks over to her and immediately is like, "You a cop?" <laughs> She's like, "Yeah. <laughs> Not anymore." <laughs> like it's just so obvious. <laughs> but then this is where I got so mad. He's like she's asking him questions and she's basically like, "Hey, I, you're a material witness. You got to help this woman, you know, not be charged with murder. And he's like, what's in it for me? And so it's like, okay, great. This guy's bad. Don't give him info. But then he's like, he's like, can I see some ID? And she hands over her whole wallet. Now, why on earth would you give your ID when you know he is a whole attempted rapist and has a fake identity? If anything, you need to be asking for his ID. What's your government yes. name? Why are you going to give him... Why are you going to give him your ID? I was livid. I was so mad. And then while they're sitting at the bar, you have to remember, as Randy told us immediately upon meeting her, she was 191 days sober. 191 days sober. <laughs> so she's at the bar and he keeps being like, let me buy you a drink. Let me buy you a drink. He orders a scotch on the rocks. You know, you're rude. And it's like, and she's, you, you know, that's Randy's drink. You know. She's got real scotch on the rocks. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, she's like, will you confirm the alibi? He goes, maybe. And then he goes, can we go somewhere and talk? I took a cab. Can we take your car? That's what he says to Ramsey. Cut to. Cut to. Megan say it. I'm too bad. The cops pulling Randy's car out of the water, and Randy is in it dead. Y'all. Y'all. I, I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. I was so this I was actually like I gasped. This was unexpected to me. It was devastating. Al- also frustrating because it's like Randy is like the only smart one so far. Do you know what I mean? Like she's the first person who's like, let's talk about this. What's the real? This is how people are. 
And then it just felt like she just like shit the bed when it came time to actually getting him. I was like, this is not how Randy was supposed to go out. I'm just like, there's no Bahamas. There's there's no future <laughs> now for Randy. And I saw such big things for her. And, and now I'm like, I want Evan Gann's head on a stick. So Victoria and her lawyer go to ID Randy, which then makes me even more upset because I'm like, Randy doesn't have any family. You know, like she, we've got her client. Well, hello. She's probably alienated people due to her alcoholism. They didn't believe her when she said she was clean and sober. She was turning her life around. Yeah. Uh, who was waiting for her in the Bahamas? Jimmy Buffett? I don't know. So, and there was blood alcohol. She had like a ton of alcohol in her system when she died. I blame him. I blame Evan. Oh, no, but this is my thing. I'm like, they. that was my thing. I feel like, and this is what kills me too, and this is what I hate the most too. Not only did he kill her, but he now makes it look like she relapsed because I believe that he probably put the alcohol in her. He could have put that in her after she died or he could have been forcing it down her throat. You know, you know, Randy, to me, Randy don't go out without a fight. You see what I'm saying? So he got Randy somewhere. They fighting and he trying to get alcohol in her system. And then he made it look like she drove off. Yes, yes. that Because that's my thing. I'm like, I don't even know if this will ever be tied to him. I know. You know what I mean? This is a tricky thing. I'm like, so anyway, Victoria goes back home and husband Michael has returned from his like hotel stay. Because he's like, I heard what happened. Let me support you. And so you get the sense that, okay, the relationship's not over. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's not happy but then i immediately think that now that he's like back on her side i'm like great now he's gonna be killed because once randy dies i go my god all bets are off anyone could go she has no one so now they're with lawyer larry great actually that's a great name lawyer larry and he comes in that show private investigator footage of jane and michael in an embrace y'all and and victoria's like what the hell and lawyer larry's like your feelings aside, this does not look good for you because this now gives you real motive to kill Jane. And Michael's like, no, we were hanging out as friends and Jane was hugging me. And I'm like, what is Jane doing? I said, now I'm feeling like Jane is the messiest bitch in the game. I was like, wait a minute. At first I was like, okay, Jay, you might be savage. So then Victoria, she's got no PI. She can't trust her husband. So now she's turning to detective. She's listening to all of her audio recordings that she did the when she did the interviews with Randy and she's trying to think if she can like figure something out, Michael walks in and he's like, you're not a damn detective. What are you doing? And then she's like, he took pictures of me. If I can get those pictures, then there's proof we were together. So then like the next day, you know, Victoria has this plan, but then she and Michael start to fight because she's feeling guilty. She's like, oh my God, what did I do? And you know, and this is where I was kind of feeling like, okay, is this movie written by a devout Christian? Because so far, all women have been punished. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, Jane is dead, and we know she'd be out here getting hers. Randy murdered, and she yeah. was, a, you know, she was, she drank. She liked to drink. Yeah, you know, and now Lucci even, you know, had a brief affair that she couldn't even go through with, and now she's being charged with murder. So I was like, okay, this feels like it was written by a Christian man. But then, Michael drops this bombshell. I can't let you go on believing that you're the only one. What are you saying? At that convention last year in Kansas City, there was a woman. She was an attorney. She was married. I never saw her again. Oh, wow. I'm sorry. It just happened. I was feeling miserable because I hurt you so badly. And you let me believe that. It just hurt so damn much at first that it didn't matter. 
But then it did, and I, I couldn't go on behaving like you were the only one. How come all of a sudden I feel better? Because I'm letting you off the hook. You're letting me off the hook? And what about the grand jury? Your confession, which I'm not sure I entirely appreciate, isn't going to change anything. But us. Oh, Michael, we never had to talk about trust before. We just did it. Look, we better... I mean, this is going to take a lot of time. You think we can just give it a little rest? Because we better go see a man about a camera. <coughs> I'm sorry. Kansas City, go Chiefs, he said. Yeah, conferences, work conferences. That's the place you cheat. That's where cheats happen. So is this, so what is this? Is Malibu Melrose Place? Everybody cheating? Mm -hmm. The doctor mm -hmm. cheating. The lawyer cheating. The gallery owner cheating. The best red cheat. Everybody cheating on everybody. Yeah. And I actually, this is not going to be a popular opinion. I'm actually kind of proud of Michael that he told her because he didn't really need to. But then when he goes, now you're off the hook, you know, to her, it's like, well, sir, now you own the hook. You could be out. He should have never. He They're, stormed out. He stormed out with the indignation. They're both on the hook together. I also have questions about her vest. So <laughs> it is, it's like a waiter vest, like a cater waiter vest. It is cinched so tight. At one point, I think I got my eyes on that there was a banana clip in the back cinching it. Oh, I'm not wow. kidding. I'm not kidding. And and she has it on for the remainder of the film. Mm -hmm. Like, I was like, oh, this is just going to be like this cinch vest we see. No, we are with this vest until the credits roll. And, and I need you guys to watch this movie just for how this vest is styled. Okay. So now Michael and Victoria, since they're both cheaters, they're like on the team together. Right. Like, <laughs> we're good now. Okay. Everything's in the past. So they go back to British man photographer's house and they're like, we need to see your cameras. And they get one of the cameras because it wasn't stored properly. And they're like, don't touch it. They develop the film and it's a picture of Victoria. We finally have our proof. It's like, why is the camera in his house with pictures of Victoria in it if this guy wasn't in the house? There we go. Yes. So then Fox is like, but the only person who could have let this guy in was my girlfriend, Judy, who insisted she didn't let anybody in. Well, they go to Judy's house and she got a whole attitude, refuses to talk to them. And I felt like Victoria was way too calm for someone who has been accused of first degree murder. She's like, can we please talk? And it's like, no, yeah. you need to be yelling. And it takes Michael, you know, Judy's like, if you don't get out of here, I'm going to call the cops. And she goes, and Michael's like, okay, great. What could, we could talk to them about how you lied. <laughs> and so she's like, fine. So basically, Judy then reveals she met this guy at the marina. She was hooking up with him when her boyfriend was away. He told her he was a merchant marine and that he also stole the key out of her purse. And she also lent him a camera so he could take pictures of artwork. So, okay, we learn... He's taking pictures of artwork that he's probably stolen. There's an mm -hmm. art dealer named Novak who Victoria knows, because again, you know, she's got a gallery, so she knows everyone who's mm -hmm. anyone in the art world. And so they take all this information to the sergeant, and he still isn't moved, and he's convinced Victoria did it. And the only thing I don't like about this is that Victoria is like, I know it was Dr. Longwell. Like, mm -hmm. she is like, it was him. And it's like, I, but you don't know that. Like, she, just because he cheated and and drives a Corvette, I mean... Well, he also threatened. I, I'm telling he you, threatened. those are big red flags. He did. <laughs> he but also it was threatened. like, even the way Jane said it, she was like, he's out of I care. I mean, nobody can't. Like, she was saying it like, this idiot. 
<laughs> like, she's not afraid of him. So th- then later, though, we see, and look, there's been a whole running thing that honestly didn't really feel pertinent to me, and I still didn't understand the connection besides art. But basically, Evan has been going after this guy, Novak, who's an older guy who's bought a bunch of art from him for, like, millions of dollars. Colombian originals. Yeah, like some statues. <laughs> and he's like, give me my, and Evan is basically like, give me my money. Cause, and it seems like Evan's trying to get his money so he can get out of town. Because he know he just yep. done killed his Jane character. He's like, I got to go. Yeah, and and he has stolen art. Right. But I still am like, what is his mo? Like, why does, so he just like goes to the marina to pick up chicks? Okay, I think so do like a lot of men, sadly. <laughs> exactly. And so then it's also like, and then again, because he does steal art, I was like, was he trying to get art from Victoria's Gallery? Is he trying to get wrecked? Because he <laughs> is a photographer? Like, what's the end game, Evan? Exactly. So basically, we see Evan stabbing old man Novak. In the street at night. So here we go. This is now, it's like, okay. Now bodies are piling up. Bodies okay? are no, piling up. This is our third, our third person. Finally a man. Exactly. Finally he kills a man. Thank you. But then we don't, but then it's like, why is this even happening? But then what's funny is like, basically as Evan is like rooting around Novak's uh, office to try to find, I think, something to steal, basically. Some money, something he can get. Yeah, because he kills him and and takes his wallet and there's $6 in it. <laughs> And and I'm like, Evan, you're not even good at being a criminal. You, get, you threaten the man. That's how you get the money. You stabbed him and now you got $6 and some stolen Colombian statues. Well, you're in the same place as me then, you idiot. So then, meanwhile, Michael and Victoria are on their, are on their journey. They're like, Still trying to, they're like, maybe we need to go meet this Novak guy if he was working with Evan. <laughs> they're funny. They're funny, these two. It's like, yeah, it's like Mary-Kate and Ashley being detectives. <laughs> but then, but here's the thing. But then finally, Victoria has a moment. She realizes, she was like, I had Jane's house key that night. And she remembers, we see in a flashback, that Victoria's purse was next to Evan before she left his house. Because basically, you know, she had gotten dressed again, but her, her, but her purse was like on the table. So then they go to Jane's house. They see the house key is missing. And she starts to put stuff together. Listen to this. Evan Gans stole the key from Judy Reinhardt's purse. And he stole Jane's house key from my purse, thinking it was my key. Of course. He must have followed me. Wait, we followed you. Why? I wouldn't stay with him. He was furious with me. He must have thought that he was following me home. He thought this was my house. So he killed Jane by accident, thinking yep. it was Victoria. Who? And I knew that. You I did, did know that. Yeah, I knew that from like minute 10. <laughs> but you said you thought he was going after, you said you thought it could have been something from Michael. No, but I thought he was trying to kill her and he mistakenly killed Jane. I didn't know that. Okay. Because even I said, it when I was writing it, I go, they look identical. Like, they looked too similar for it not to have been old switcheroo. Aha, uh-huh. a classic switcheroo back to Mary-Kate and Ashley. So then, and again, this is where Michael has been helpful, and I wish he had been helpful for moment one, because remember, he was in the DA's office. He has contacts. He gets them to pull prints. Yeah, from a man who has the craziest head of hair we've ever seen. He... <laughs> I said, this man's a Filipino king. He's got to be. <laughs> it was so thick. It was so incredible. And we cut to him again. So if you watch this movie to see the cinch vest, you're also going to get this head of hair that is real in two shots. <laughs> okay. 
So they get a match from the film canister. And the house key, which means he took the house key. To someone who was already in the system. Of course. His name is Evan. Okay. I was shocked. (laughs) His name is Evan Allen Huntsinger. And he served eight years for manslaughter. He beat a fellow Marine to death. Oh, my gosh. I'm getting getting Con Air flashbacks. (laughs) So it turns out everything Victoria said was right. Listen to this half-ass apology from... The cop. You have my apologies, Mrs. Robson. We try hard. Sometimes we make mistakes. We're only human. I hope you won't hold this against the department. You know what? In that cop's defense, he's 80 years old. We cannot. (laughs) This is, we need to expand social security. Yeah, he should have been retired. He should have been retired 20 years earlier. You're right. He should have been working. He should have been working. He ain't on it. So meanwhile, now they found this guy. We have a name. All this kind of stuff. Michael and Victoria, they kiss. They, they're they like bonded over their love of cheating. They're high on finding a killer, you know? And it seems like all is well, but there are nine minutes left in the movie, so I know it's not. Yeah, now I'm getting like real basic instinct. Kate fear. Like mm. I'm getting all of these 90s flashbacks. I'm like, is there going to be a rabbit boiled? <laughs> like we are really reaching the apex of this because they find Novak's body. I hate that his name is Novak because it reminds me of Novak Djokovic. And you guys know I'm against him. I have fought with those people on Twitter. <laughs> a Novak Djokovic fan DM'd me that he hopes I got I get my child taken away from me. So they're dead to me. <gasps> oh, oh, my God. Over tennis. Over a tennis joke. Okay. Oh, so Novak is dead. Not the one I wish. And they find the, the cops find the blood and they find the body stuffed in the trunk. And so meanwhile, they're like, Michael and Victoria are like, we've, we've beat this thing. But the cop is like, hmm. Something is like he's he's like, I need to let Victoria and Michael know that like he killed someone else and he calls their phone and their phone is disconnected. Just then at their house, at Michael and Victoria's house, we see a hand turn on a tape player and the tape plays Evan's voice pre-recorded and terrorizing. Good evening, kids. Cozy cottage you got here. Hope you don't mind if I use your tape deck. This little pre-recorded message is just my way of saying, welcome home. His voice is also very nasal, and again, I just don't get how he was the guy for Susan Lucci. And uh, neither here nor there, but nothing about him is really appealing to me. And we see he's standing outside the house, because again, they've got that sliding door, and he's taken Michael's gun and cut the phone lines, as Megan already said. So mm. Michael is like, okay, I'm going to go to the car phone and call the police. Yes! And that's These how are you rich know. people. Thank These you. Rich people. That's how you know they're rich. He's like, I'm going to make it to the car phone. And he's like, I'm going to try to get to the police, get the police, try to get some help. So Michael goes to the car. And of course, Evan is in the garage and he mm. like has a gun on him and he starts taunting Michael about how Victoria was in bed. And it seemed like he's going to kill him. But Michael fights back. And I said, surprise. I didn't see hand to hand combat in Michael's future. I didn't think he had it in him. I would just like to bring up since one hour and nine minutes of this film, Conrad has been watching it with me. <laughs> so Conrad is watching this um, gunfight in a garage in Malibu. I just, I need that context over the whole thing. My son, my nine month old son saw the last third of this film. <laughs> so they're fighting the two guys and Evan ends up knocking him out and he goes into the house after Victoria. And y'all... Victoria runs up stairs and not not out (laughs) out of the house. (laughs) I mean. Do you think she thinks the gun is up there? But still. No. 
<laughs> I still go out. You're right. You still got to go out because then you don't have to shoot this crazy person. <laughs> exactly. Because you got a front door and a back door. And these houses are on top of each other. We're talking beachfront property. It's like front yards, backyards, front yards, backyards. Like their pool felt like it was in the front yard. Like we've got doors everywhere. Exactly. So this is like crazy. But then, but so then they start to tussle. She sprays him with hairspray in his eyes. Yes. And she pushes him over the balcony. The indoor, like, second-story balcony. And he crashes through a glass table. <laughs> I, when I saw him teeter over, I go, Conrad, pray for a glass table. <laughs> and then uh, and then there was a glass table. Oh, it's so satisfying. So this is, again, why I consider this motion picture a historical document. Because we see in this, in this crescendo... Three major lifetime tropes that have been in place for over 30 years. Running up and not out. Pushing someone over a balcony in a home and them dying despite falling barely one story. Half a story. <laughs> cops being useless and people having to do their own detective work. Mm -hmm. And then cops arriving after the fact. Because Victoria runs to the garage. She gets Michael because he's put Michael in the car and turned on the ignition so that it fills with carbon monoxide. But she gets Michael out of the car and he coughs and then he says something and we're like, okay, he's alive. It's gonna be fine. And then we hear the police sirens in the distance as she holds him close. They are on the street in front of their garage. And I said, please don't let anyone run them over. And then the sergeant like comes up to them and we fade out. That is the end of this motion picture. The fact, I said, this is it. This is the truth. Yeah, I, I still don't understand why Evan went so crazy. Like, he is a crazy person, and I think that's what his eyes, they were trying to tell us. Right. But it's like, oh, there was no other reason just because, like, other than, like, she didn't want to have sex with you till the end? And so then you needed to kill all these people? Like, I really thought there was going to be some, I know, me like, too. lifetime monologue of, like, you thought you were never going to see me again, Michael. But there wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it's like, oh, he wasn't a merchant marine. He actually ex escaped from a mental hospital. Like, I thought they were going to mm -hmm. do something where it was like, no, to justify him. But this is why in a lot of ways it felt a little like Christian. It felt like a morality play. Yeah. It was just like, yeah. don't cheat. Because everyone don't cheats. Cheat, you'll and die. Exactly. Don't cheat, you'll die, or you'll go to prison for murder. And so don't do it. And so that was the woman who sinned. Susan Lucci Lucci. That was the motion picture. It was really, it was a really, like, compelling film. Like I, I thought the cinematography and there's there's more turquoise sprinkled throughout. Like, <laughs> it really is. I, I do think people need to get their eyes on this just for the costuming alone. Mm -hmm. And it's a flashback done well. Absolutely. And again, I think, again, we have really good actors who make all of it feel natural. They are giving us the soap opera intensity. So it's easy to kind of get into it again. Like, Justice for Randy, R.I.P. Randy, you deserve the world. I hope you're in the Bahamas in heaven. The Bahamas in heaven, okay? The Bahamas is heaven to me. <laughs> so, yeah, she she's at the 92 version of the Atlantis, which I think was just like the Merv Griffin Hotel. <laughs> and and I hope she's having a virgin Bahama mama. Absolutely. And I think <sighs> Victoria and Michael deserve each other. Whew, it was a roller coaster. I hope they have a kid. They need a child. <laughs> If anything, they need a child. They need to have it raised by someone else, put it into private school, then send it to a boarding school and let it hate them. That is the <laughs> that is the course that this family needs to take. Oh, my God. This one was a beautiful, beautiful time capsule. Next week, though, we are back to the present, okay? And we are talking about, I mean, very similar, 
We go from the woman who sinned to sins and seduction. When progressive minister Leslie Reynolds welcomes a seemingly sweet couple into her church, she suddenly finds herself entangled in the deadly obsession of a handsome new parishioner. <laughs> we haven't had we haven't had parishioner in a long line in a lo- ever. Ever. I was gonna say in a long time ever. Nope, that's a first. Oh my God. You can watch this movie with your existing Lifetime Movie Club subscription or start an account today by going to lifetimemovieclub.com slash podcast and getting a free seven-day trial. So no excuses. You gotta see what happens with a handsome new parishioner. And you guys, we will see you next week. Bye. I love a Lifetime movie. If you love Lifetime movies as much as we do, tune into Lifetime and LMN to watch all the new and classic movies that we can't get enough of. Check your local listings to find out what's airing on Lifetime and LMN because it just might be the movie we talk about next. And wait, there's more. Check out the new bomb Lifetime podcast, Crime of a Lifetime, where two amazing hosts take you beyond the headlines of a crime and they get into the nitty gritty twists and turns of the story. Mm. That's my jam. This podcast would not be possible if it was just Naomi and me, for sure. Absolutely not. I Love a Lifetime movie is produced by Aisha Jordan. With sound editing and mixing by The Podglomerate. Executive produced by Jesse Katz. With original music by Blake Maples. And hosted by Naomi and Megan. You should know that by now if you've gotten to this point. You should know that we're the host, okay? (laughs) It feels like we don't even need to say it, but we'll put ourselves in the credits. <laughs> when you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.